Hi, I'm Dan Krinas, host of the Leader of Learning podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another wonderful episode of My Ed Tech Life. I am excited to be here with you all on this beautiful Thursday morning, wherever in the world that you may be. Hopefully, you're having a wonderful start to your day. It may be an afternoon, or you may already be on Friday morning, wherever it is in the world that you're joining us from. Thank you, as always, for making My Ed Tech Life what it is today, as our mission, our vision, and our passion is to connect educators from the K-12 space, higher ed space, and education professionals and creators one show at a time. And I am really excited about today's show as well because I get to connect with a wonderful, amazing, energetic creator. And I am just excited to have Andrew Conley on the show this morning. Andrew, how are you doing today? What an intro, Fallas. Thank you. I'm, I'm doing well. Doing well. Happy to be here. Excellent. And we've got here some hi from Jillian. Jillian, thank you so much for joining. She's popping in to say hi. All right. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for being here today. And uh, I just want to let you know, I know we talked a little bit about pre-chat in the pre-chat, just to let you know that I am a longtime follower of your work, big fan of everything that you have done and what you continue to do. And I'm just really excited to hear about this wonderful adventure, this new project that you have that is, to me, as I see you putting things out on socials regarding this, just really, I'm really excited to get my hands on this, tell people about this, because I see a couple, I see a lot of need for this, and I can see the benefits. So I won't spoil what it is yet, because we'll definitely get into that story. But before we dive in, Andrew, for all our audience members that are viewing, that are going to be listening to the show, that may not be familiar with your work yet, can you give us a little brief introduction about who you are and your context in education? Sure. Before I do, first and foremost, before I forget funds, thank you for building this space, this platform for educators from A to Z. It's, it's if you build it, they will come. And I think you're proof of that. So. I just want to thank you for, for this opportunity and congratulate you on this amazing show. That's the first thing I want to start with. Second thing I, I want to say in terms of my origin story, I'll, I like to practice brevity. So there's probably three things people should know about me. Number one, I battled through a childhood bone disease, able to become a collegiate athlete. Number two, I'm a change of career. And number three, as evidenced by what we will talk about, I'm passionate about connecting with people. I'm pretty much fascinated by conversation and modes of communication, especially in today's technological world. So that's pretty much where I'll lay the groundwork. You're the host. You'll tell me what you want me to, to say, and, and, and I'll go from there. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for that introduction. And you definitely left a lot of questions there for me that I, I would love to dive into. And the first and foremost, I did not know and I was not aware that you were a collegiate athlete. May I ask which sport was it that you played?
Yeah, I've played uh, soccer throughout my life. So going into college, I was heavily recruited coming out of high school because I played for the number one team in the nation. So that was, I was traveling as a kid. The reason I started with that is because that was my whole life. And then I played for St. John's University, which at the time was number four in the nation. And then I transferred to Hofstra University, where I still am as a doctoral student. My point for bringing that up, why my story starts there, is because when I was trying to become a professional soccer player, of course, my guidance counselor put me into accounting. It's a recession-proof thing. You'll be fine in accounting. So I started working as an accountant in Tribeca. At night, I would train with soccer teams. I started looking forward to the evenings, more so than my day job. And I made the switch to go into education, to work with kids and and. That's where the, the whole journey started. Excellent. Well, see, I mean, that's really great to hear. And I always love to hear that origin story because oftentimes I also love to hear where, what kind of perspective educators you're bringing. And for yourself, very similar to myself where I was like, hey, I want to protect myself during hard times. So it's like I also went business route, did marketing, but a lot of those skills. And it was really a lot of the personal the, the customer service, those skills that help you connect that really transferred very well into the classroom. And I would imagine for yourself as well, going through accounting, but also possibly taking some marketing courses and understanding customers, all of that really ties in very well into the classroom. So that's really, really great to hear there as well. So now the shift from accounting and then going into teaching were, did you go in teaching math by any chance? Or was it a different subject? No, no, I didn't. I actually went, yeah, yeah. I went for elementary education, grades okay. one through six. So I was teaching everything. It just so happens that I, I did have an affinity for mathematics at the time, but I, I felt like my, my strengths were more so being able to motivate children, being able to have them hear my voice in a certain way that resonated with them. I think what I went through as a child in elementary school with battling a, a bone disease where I couldn't even walk from first grade to fifth grade, it definitely affected the way I viewed how things were done in elementary schools. And that's not an indictment on my teachers growing up. They were fantastic. They were great. But for the time, I don't think they had the strategies or the skills or the know-how of what to do with me. So I think it turned me into an empath a little bit and I'm able to understand certain kids strife and things like that. Um, possibly better than, than a lot. And I think in terms of my career, what I've been able to do is build a trust between students, colleagues, whoever else, because we never know what somebody's going through. And that's so important. You mentioned something that really resonates too as well because of the experience that you've had and then transferring into the education space, K through six, being able to work with children. Oftentimes I find that we don't know their story. We don't know the complete story because we see them from the time they come in, walking in for the bell, they have their breakfast. And then by the time they leave, we get them for about six, six and a half hours. And you see the student, they come into your class, but you don't know exactly what type of home life that what that they're going through. And that was a quick lesson that I learned in my transition that we don't understand, or we may not know what cards are dealt for all our students. So it's very important really with that customer service and those connections to be able to talk to students and check in on them on a day-to-day. -day, and that's something that's very important. So I can see that from your experience, being able to bring that and translate that into the classroom. Now, what were there specific grades that you were teaching during this time? 
Yes, I taught sixth grade. So 11, 12, possibly 13, based on if they had an early birthday. And I agree, Fonz, I think especially coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic, I always say the forgotten literacy is interpersonal skills, is communicative competence. I think we put such a heavy stress on English language arts and mathematics, and rightfully so, but that eats up clock. And I think the great equalizer is how you connect with someone. I don't necessarily think when I first meet a person, what was your Fountas and Pinnell level growing up? No, I think other things. I think, do, do I trust you when I hang out with you again? And things like that and just happens in conversation. So I think that's a skill that really needs to be more explicitly taught. And that's why I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but it's communicative competence, I think, has severely been hindered amongst our youth with things turning virtual and things like that, which... Again, I'm all for technology. It's just, I think the the balance might need to be restored a bit. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. And during that, the pandemic, one of the things that I learned too as well is that we as educators were guests in our students' homes and we saw things, we got to actually really know our students a little bit more. And I don't think that a lot of teachers were equipped to see some of the things that they saw or be able to handle some of those things that they saw. Because again, we see the students here in school and it's just brick and mortar. This is all I care about. This is my view. And then, but we forget that, that, that outside life as well, that can affect a lot of students as they come into our classes, into our schools day in and day out. And so again, the communication getting to know your students, listening to them. Those were very helpful to me while I was in the classroom. And I can definitely see what you're saying. And I agree with you on that. So I really want to hop into that now. How did this project now come about? And I, I read a little bit about the interesting story about it, but tell us a little bit about how that just kind of played out in your mind at that moment when, boom, that light bulb flickered on and you said, I am onto something here. Yeah, I, I think throughout my, my teaching career, I was one of those teachers that anyone was comfortable coming to me, whatever age, whatever position, things like that. I think I'm a good listener. I think I'm able to provide advice where it's asked for, never unsolicited. But I, I think I've been playing these games for like the past 15 years. When the light bulb moment was, and it's on my website, like you said, it was July 9th, 2020. I remember it. I was at my friend's house, we we're playing a card game and we we're just having a great time stopped. The stress of the world was gone and we were just connecting, learning stuff about each other we had never learned before. We've been friends for over 12 years, this particular friend. And we just both simultaneously stopped and we said, this would be great if there was something like this for children. And so we scoured the internet we did every Googling up and down that you could do. There was really nothing there in terms of what we had in mind. So in these, which I'll talk about in, in a few minutes, took about two years and I've coincided my doctoral research with it. We've conducted play tests, we've conducted treatment studies, things like that, that are still happening because I haven't yet written my dissertation. However, the mechanics of back and forth conversation in schools, I, I haven't yet seen that be mastered by children. I'll give you an example. There's an article I wrote in Edutopia, where as an assistant principal, I'm walking down the hallway and I ask a, a child, what have you learned so far today? And it might be like 11 o'clock, school might start at 8.15. And the response is, oh, nothing. Well, what are you doing? 
eh, nothing. All right. Well, we both know that that's not true, or at least I would hope that that's not the case. It's a pretty bad reflection on your teacher. So I know your teacher from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. has been teaching at least two lessons. Maybe it was a double block or what have you. And I think what really I started to notice was the articulation of what's going on in their day was not there. That gear for a child to hit was not there. So what these games do specifically is it helps them get that, that mechanics down. So for example, IRC one, two, three, it stands for inquire, respond, and connect. I know we've all been there with either the over-talking child or the child that you really have to pull out that information from. This will help balance those those situations. So you acquire about others by asking questions, you respond to their prompts and you connect over the commonalities and differences. And the card game has those mechanics set up for them. They're training wheels, essentially. It takes into account certain social anxieties. It takes into account different personality types and essentially restores balance into how do you conduct oneself during a conversation or a first meet. This is actually based off of one study by Arthur Aaron at Stony Brook. And it kind of blew up and went viral. There was a New York Times article called The 36 Questions. His study was actually getting people, complete strangers, to become really close friends or possibly fall in love by just asking these 36 questions in a 45-minute sit-down. I found that fascinating. So it's loosely based on that. When we were crafting this, we crafted the curriculum to go along with it as well. So that's a free digital download on the website. So you want to start off with this game. Once you feel your, your children or your students have mastered this, you go into 5WH. It stands for the five W's, who, what, when, where, why, and how. There's a mechanism in here, the combinations of cards, where now they're not taking pre-written question prompts and things like that. They're creating them as a team, and they're collaborating on having this conversation. It introduces a little bit of competitiveness with points and things like that, but these are essentially mastering the verbals of conversation. Then we go into the paraverbal, reading social cues, reading body language, understanding tones, pitches, things like that. So that's why we sell it as a pack, not a standalone to kind of defeat on purpose. This is a scaffolded system of how to get your child age nine years or older. And there are some adults that are having a good time with this as well, including myself and my friends, just to have them connect better, have more meaningful conversations, learn more about each other and get comfortable with those interpersonal connections, because I believe, like I said earlier, Fonz, it's the forgotten literacy. 60% of self-made millionaires in this world, not that that matters, the money value, but the following matters, they suffer from dyslexia. So it's not so much that we need to be able to read at a certain reading level, which could be the case in many certain scenarios, but there's a whole other layer to life where if you're just connecting with people and having that likability factor, having that trust factor, you can have a very successful, so that's why this is very important to me and it works. Excellent. That's great. Now, Andrew, if I may, I know you're showing the packs there, but would you, it, would it be possible to maybe just see either like an exercise or just an example maybe of a card just to kind of start a conversation? Would that be something that we might be able to do? Yeah. If I could open up this plastic bonds, that'd be great. <laughs> I should have been prepared with an open pack. I'm sorry. All right. Hey, it's all good. You, you. <laughs> so what it looks like in terms of IRC one, two, three, let me get a scissor here, phones. Oh, I got you. There's prompts on each card. By the way, I'm pretty anal retentive. So the colors mean something as well when it comes to communication, the, the blue, the red, the green. I'll leave that up for people to Google because I want to let the students do the work here. 
But essentially, you have an R, your R cards, your I cards, your callback cards, which tests your listening skills, and your C cards. So you shuffle up the deck, you place it in the middle of the table, and whatever card is on the top, you select that card. And then it will dictate what you're doing at the table. So it's two to four players. You could have more, of course. And if there's an I card, you're going to ask the player to your right the question. The question might look like this. Walk us through an average day in your life. That's this one. And the child or whoever's playing answers that question. And then I have that I. And it's called IRC123 because you want to get one I, two R's, three C cards. Once you get your third C card, you win the game. Or like we like to say, you make the conversation come to a close. If you pull up an R card, you respond to that. So here's one. I imagine all players are stranded on a deserted island. Assign each player a job that would ensure the survival of the group. So they get uh, metacognitive, reflective. They get a little zany and silly. And then the C cards are for opening up the floor to the whole table or whoever's playing. Anybody could just start discussing it. So here's the C card. What's your favorite thing to do to clear your head and refresh your mind? All right, now, during the conversation, as you're amassing these cards and you want to get one I, two R's, three C's, you might also draw a callback card. And it says, test anyone's listening skills by asking them to recall a previous answer. So you better be listening to each other. The callback card in the playtesting has been one of the favorite little things. It's called a disruptor. For those people who create games, there's things called disruptors. So that's essentially IRC one, two, three. The 5WH cards, if you give me a second, Fonz, I could open that as well. Well, just getting back to that first set, just even the, just that question, walking us through an average day in your life, that is something that can help a lot of students really just know who you are, build that community. And oftentimes what I've noticed, Andrew, at least in my experience, was that usually when we would start the school year, kids coming into fifth grade classroom, they kind of already had like little clicks because this is the way that they were separated before. And then when they come into a classroom and now it's a different setting, they still tend to gravitate towards their groups, wherever it may be. But then later on, as we start having conversations and working on projects and opening up, then they, they start finding that they may have more in common than they really thought of, but because they've never been able to communicate. So I love that exercise. I love the other one too, as well is like, what would you do to survive? Again, opens that up to have a little bit of fun, get creative. You start building that rapport, that friendship, developing those skills. And then of course, the very important one, listening. And going back to that, I really loved one of your TikToks that you did recently, or I don't know if it was on TikTok or I saw it on Instagram, that oftentimes as somebody's talking, we're already like fabricating our response and we really don't listen all the way through. And that, I know I, I that's very big on me and it really caused me to reflect. And I was like, you know what, this, this is something that can, I can see it working in the education space in the classroom. But even like you said, even for us as adults, having these types of questions to connect and even working on those skills, it, it's a never ending process. So. Thank you for sharing that. So now let's go back to the, the five W's now, right? That's the one that's next. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And I definitely want to just add on to what you're saying, because in terms of when I was crafting these through my doctoral studies, it was all about increasing classroom participation. How do we increase participation? 
whether you employ a system of hand raising or you do turn and talk, Socratic method, whatever your, your method is, how do we garner more student output during classroom discussions? Because we're seeing through our competitors across the world who is essentially do their students perform better than us in the United States. What are those teachers doing? Those teachers actually talk more than American teachers. So it's like, so then what's, what's the problem here if we're letting our students talk more? Well, it's apparently coming down to a few things, feeling connected in the classroom. Like you're saying, Fonz, are there clicks or are we like one whole team unit here in the room? That's a huge factor, depending on if a, a child wants to engage or there's a bunch of other things as well, but for the sake of brevity, let's go into 5WH. So 5WH essentially is our second course, if you will, after you master see 5WH cards, they all have a similar looking back. They're not different. However, there's different things written on them. These cards look like this. For example, there's action card spawns. There are question cards. I'll pull out some examples here. And there are topic cards. So essentially you have three piles in the table, your action, your question, your topic, and each child or each player will pick one of each. So I'll pick one right now. So my topic card that I just picked is people and animals. My question stem, I'm not going to do this one. I'll explain this in a minute. My question stem is going to be why, and my action will be justified. So now using these three cards, I have to create my own question for the group. So I guess what I would do is justify why it's, it's good to support animal lovers and, P and the PETA organization. Right. And then that will get me some points here. You see the points on this car. That's five points. And essentially I'm not going to go through the whole game. It gets a little complex, but that's an example of a turn. There was a different card here called the connection card, which essentially explains how you could get a free pass or you could double your points. Like it gets a little exciting. Like you obviously want to amass five W's and an H and that's how you win the game. There's team mode, there's individual mode, things like that. So this is like the next level up funds from now we're creating the conversation as opposed to the conversation being there for us. That's our step one. Now that we're comfortable, let's go into this next course. Wait a minute. Like this right now, like right now when you said like, okay, this is the second course, this is great. And right now it's for me, like I just had that light bulb moment of, wow, like I can really see this going very well at the beginning of the year when teachers are trying to find a way to build rapport, build community, or get the students to know each other. Oftentimes, at least from my experience, I see that a lot of teachers don't spend too much time on even getting to know the students. It's almost like, okay, just put out your little tent with your name and let's go day one, get your books out because we got to do curriculum and we got to do this, 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 and that. However, I've always been a believer of, hey, the more time I spend creating that community and really knowing my students and getting them to know each other, the return on investment as the year goes by, I'm able to catch up with maybe like a week, a week and a half, maybe even two weeks of just that because I'm able to bundle. But because now we're working as a team, we're working as a community, nobody's left behind. And my students, even they may see like, hey, I may see that my friend here is struggling a little bit and they lift them up and build them up. And with this, I was like, if I'm in the classroom again, I would definitely be doing this at least for a whole week, building up those skills because I can see that return on investment. And 
So you've got them really, like you said, I, I love the way that they get prompted in module one. We'll call it module one yeah. <laughs> with the IRC. Then they go to module two, the five W's and the H where now they create. And now I want to go and hear about the next module. So let's talk about that one. <laughs> Yeah, and you're bringing up fascinating points. And I'm, I'm definitely, after this podcast, going to be like, oh my goodness, I forgot to say. But I think it's important that I'm just showing this. Yes. People could always go to my website or my TikTok, my Instagram. I explain a lot of this. The directions are right in the pack. So it doesn't come with directions. It's right in here in the deck. And John Hattie, who's one of the top godfathers of education, in my opinion, has the Hattie ranking. And the top few Hattie rankings in those, like, I think it's like the top 15 or 20, most of them are, are cultural, classroom cultural things. So you're bringing up some pretty salient points here. All right. So the final game, queued up, right? Essentially, it's slang short for social cues, and you don't want to be queued up. Let me explain what that means. So there are prompt cards in this. For example, let's see. You could have one final, if you could have one final conversation with one person, who would it be with and what would you talk about? So the most impactful person to ever walk planet Earth is, what's the best way to spend the rest of your life? In what ways has humanity progressed? Do you think people are happier now than 50 years ago? So the questions are a little bit heavier. However, what we're doing here is you're not acting as yourself. This is a role-playing game. So there's cue cards here. There's physical cues, emotional cues, and different types of cues. For example, right? Let's see. If you pulled out this card, essentially you have the two decks, right? The prompt and the cues. At the start of the game, you take three cues. Here's one of them. The conductor, okay? <laughs> You're a one-man band. From the humming and making mouth noises to tapping like a world-class drummer, make no mistake, you're creating a symphony. So you would draw that card and during the conversation, if we're talking about would a land or sea animal win in a fight, you're going like this. Well, I think that a land or sea animal win in a fight and you're acting out whatever the cue is and other players have to guess what your cue is. As the game progresses, since I talked about you don't necessarily want to be queued up, of your three cue cards, you're going to only act out the one that you think you could get away with. And each round, you put down one, you put down one, you remain with one cue, and you go around and ask. If you get your cue guessed, that card goes to that person. If you guess the other person's cues, you get the cards. person with the most cards at the end essentially wins queued up because you were able to not be queued up. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. Oh, man, if uh, six, set, eight years, if this was out and if we were, I mean, you already had this out, this is something that I would definitely be integrating in my classroom. And even then, now I see the value of it. And this is something that I would definitely be sharing with a lot of my colleagues as well. And and just for them to see this because the value, the the interaction, all of those things that are so important that oftentimes we forget about because it's curriculum day one. This is what I need to give you. Curriculum day two, curriculum day three, and so on. And you never allow the student to create. I mean, I know I oftentimes talk about the students creating their learning, creating and being active in their learning. And I know I've seen the results in being able to build community. But as a teacher, let's say first year teacher, 10th year teacher, so I'm maybe just changing the practice a little bit and say, how can I get my students to connect? This right here is something that is, I think, 
a low barrier to entry for any teacher, something that is going to help the students grow and in their communication skills and their interactions and the way they effectively communicate and in the way that they will be able to also learn how to read the room. Us as teachers also, we say, oh yeah, I know I can kind of read the room and I, I can see the students and yeah, but students need that too as well. They'd be able to read the room and maybe help one of their classmates with something they see they're struggling. Now they can go up with a little bit more confidence and being able to communicate effectively. The students can communicate effectively to you as a teacher and saying, sir, miss, this is what I'm having trouble with, but you're building that community. And this, Andrew, I, I love this work that you're doing. I'm glad that someone like you just had this passion. You saw this vision and you built that up and, and we're seeing it. And, and just me right now, I'm like, the, these, some of these questions, I'm like, Hey, these could be some podcast questions that I can ask to you as well as I'm kind of conducting here and picking up on cues as to responses and so on. So the learning never stops. I mean, I'm picking up so much from you today. And man, this is amazing. So thank you for that. No, I appreciate it. And I'll, I'll tell the audience how I would have used these if I were in the classroom. First and foremost, I tried my best. And, and by the end of being a teacher, I taught for seven years and then I became an assistant principal. I wasn't against a system of hand raising, just my particular style. I tried to get kids to understand what you exactly just said. Like the game of double dutch, when do you jump into the conversation? Like, how do we know when to do that? So I was able to do that. And I realized I was playing these games without knowing that I was playing these games for all seven years of creating that community, connecting outside of the contents, just having conversations at lunch or homeroom, what have you, knowing that, listen, how do you know when to jump into a conversation? Well, you're probably going to want to track the speech speaker. Notice their body language of when they're settling down with their ending their statement. All those different things, I think, are not necessarily explicitly taught funds. And I think we're just expecting kids to be prepackaged with this understanding of how to interpersonally connect. And they're not. We're human beings. You need to behavior shape. You need to see the model, see the example, and then imitate. Imitation is, is flattery, right? So... I think these are a good modeling tool for teachers. They're also a good Socratic tool for teachers. And I really do believe in it. I just said on TikTok the other day, I'm not selling these products. I'm explaining them. And if somebody wants to buy them, that's excellent. But I know that they work. I know that they'll be amazing. And, and I'm just trying to explain to educators out there, parents out there, camps, libraries, all these different types of institutions that these games, if scaffolded the way that I've scaffolded them out through our curriculum mapping, which you get with purchase, it's going to work and it will make your life easier. Like you said earlier, funds, take the time to save the time, establish that culture the first week, two weeks in, in your room. You're going to make up the content exactly like you just said, funds, because it won't be a struggle managerially all year long and highly effective teaching. I think there's a misnomer about it that teachers think you have to be doing so much and be an octopus with eight arms. You actually do far less when you're highly effective because your students are doing and producing so much. You want to turn them into the producers rather than the regurgitators of the information. So I think that, I think this will help them do that. Yes. No, I agree with you, Andrew, and exactly what you're saying. And again, bringing in my experience in the classroom, trying to build community and 
trying to do it in such a way without these card games, but this would have definitely added that additional value. And that's what really excites me. Like you said, you're explaining it and even your social media is so great at explaining the the tips, the topics. You make it fun. You make it easy to understand. And again, even just those little TikTok bites that I got, I was like, even I caused me to reflect on myself and in my practice too. And I just love those connections that we're making within the students in the classroom, within the students and teachers, students themselves. But also, like you said, I can definitely see this being a great game, even for adults and in a PD session, like when we come back at the beginning of the year and it's like, all right, let's, let's work on the interpersonal skills and maybe find a way to do some team building and make it a fun PD instead of a one like, okay, this is what you got to do now. And because it, it's almost like oftentimes what we do as teachers is what administration does to us. And then we feel like the students where we don't get kind of like a voice of choice or we can't communicate correctly, correctly or effectively and so on. But yeah, I'm loving what you're doing and I, I wish you the best in this and many of the other projects that will definitely come to fruition because of the passion that you have, Andrew. And this is really exciting. It really is for me. Yeah. And I think it's so far reaching because it's, it's my belief that if, if you can develop an acumen, social skills, that in turn is the prerequisite for emotional self-regulation and identifying how to navigate certain scenarios in life. And I think that's what our children really need today. The world that they're growing up in, in 2022 is far more complex than what we grew up in. I think these skills need to start being explicitly taught. I think there's the umbrella of like, which is great. That's fine. But I think a lot of people look at it as more of a fluff thing. It needs to become like a serious mental health curriculum, because I think that's going to be the, the great equalizer for all of our children to compete on a global scale is to be able to connect on many different levels in many different scenarios. I don't talk to my grandma at Sunday dinner the same way I'll be hanging out with my friends on a Friday night and all those different scenarios that you have to understand. And without the experience as a nine-year-old, it, it's going to be tough. So I think just like how we have, I will be able to find percent of a number drawing a double number line. We have that explicit objective in mathematics. I think we start to have need to have some explicit instruction on social skills. Excellent. I couldn't agree with you more, my friend. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for this great time. Thank you so much for really bringing the passion and just really sharing with us your vision, sharing with us, again, this work that you're doing for your doctoral studies as well and doing the research and everything being research-based. And again, I could definitely see the, the beautiful progression between each of these games or modules. And I was just, like I said, just really, really blown away because I don't think there is, I have personally have seen anything out there that can do in a short period of time. Like you just shared this with me. And it, my head just went to stations doing this, doing yep. that and everything. And I'm like, this, this is really a great, great work of love, labor of love from you. And thank you so much for being a wonderful educator and continually innovating and pushing that education needle forward, my friend. Thank you so much. All right, my friend. Well, before we wrap up, this is my favorite segment too as well. And I know for a lot of viewers out there, it's their favorite segment too. The last three questions here in our podcast. All right. So Andrew, hopefully you are ready. So question number one for you, Andrew, in the current state of education, 
what would you say is your current edu kryptonite? Assumption. I, th I think assumption hinders all progress. I, I think we need to not be explicitly database. I think things get lost in the numbers. But I think when we assume things as educators, we're doing a disservice to, to the art form. So I think that is my edu-crypt. And I, I like to take a step back visit the balcony, as I say, look at things from a bird's eye view, not assume anything. And I think that's the best vantage point to look at anything really in, in life outside of education. Just don't assume because we, we know what happens when we assume things. <laughs> Excellent. Great answer, Andrew. All right. Question number two, Andrew, if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? It would be a Charles Bukowski quote. He's my favorite poet. And he says, what matters most is how well we walk through the fire. And I think in terms of educators, there's, you're going to be walking through it. Every year is a new challenge. Every day is a new challenge. That's why we love what we do. And we know that each challenge is, is of paramount importance because that's a life. So I, I think that's what would be on my billboard. And if you could walk through the fire day in, day out, congratulate yourself. I don't mean fire in like such a negative connotation. I just mean the, the hustle and bustle of, of challenges throughout your day. Excellent. Good, good. Great answer. I love that. It definitely motivates me. And the first thing I was thinking about that is like, yeah, a lot of people need to hear that. So Andrew, the last question, and this, this question kind of reminds me, I was like, when I was, when you were going through IRC, or actually I think it was the, the last game too, that we saw, I was like, oh, that kind of seems like one of these questions, but Andrew, if this was the Andrew Conley podcast and I was your guest this morning, what would be one question you'd like to ask me? Fonz, there's tons. I think the one right now, you, you've built such a social media empire. And if people don't recognize that yet, they're late to the game. You're, you're going up with this, with this podcast because it's so important. So I would say when you were sitting down before any of this ed tech life was even existing, what was your, your end vision for what you wanted to create as, as a presence online and why? Well, to be honest with you, this whole thing started back in April 10th, 2020. And the, the initial vision was, of course, everything shut down and there was a need out there. A lot of teachers getting out of brick and mortar and going virtual were not comfortable. They didn't have the tech skills because the tech was not an integral part of their practice day in and day out. So there was a lot of people that were out there that were just needing that help. So everything started with that in like, okay, well, my job is an instructional technologist. Like I want to share the wealth, share what we can do. And I said, well, let me bring on guests that can give some tips share their experiences, what are some of the tools that they're using, what are some of the things that they're doing in the classroom and maybe barriers, what they're facing, how they're adapting, how they're improvising, how they're overcoming during this time. And then it just changed into something organically where I just wanted to hear people's stories. I wanted to amplify their voices and see educators in what, what they're doing. Sometimes there's wonderful educators out there that we may not hear about because nobody gives them the time or the space to share. So for myself, 
I started looking for educators that when I go on Twitter, I'm like, wow, who is this person? They may not have a large social media following, but they're starting to do some great things and they're starting to build up their connections and network. And for myself, I, I'm a big believer in in the power of connections. And of course, that's the, the vision of the show. And, and so I connect with educators that are doing some great things that I see that I can learn from personally, that I can continue to learn professionally from. And that is the vision. And so, uh, yes, I, I have big names. And then I have people that are educators that many people may not well, didn't even know who they were, but Everybody deserves a space, no matter what. And I know that there are many education podcasts that are out there. There is educators for everybody in separate niches. But for myself, it's just making those connections and really making it feel like family, giving them a space where they feel comfortable sharing, where they have somebody that can listen to them and just tell their story. And that's really what I love, man. And it just turned into this. <laughs> so. Yeah, that, that's my answer for that. <laughs> I love that. I do want to say something while we're still live because I've done a number of podcasts and things like that. You're definitely succeeding because this onboarding process, you definitely made me feel at home. You made me feel comfortable. We had that internet glitch before. I was freaking out and you've totally level-headed. So the, the culture of this podcast is, in my opinion, why it's going to, to go so far because you definitely make it feel like home. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate it. And like I said, I'm a big fan, longtime follower. I know we, we've gone back and forth on social media, just having some fun because the doctoral life, the, the student life is definitely not something that is not easy, but it's great to connect with somebody else that's going through that process and just to encourage each other, even if it's just memes and so on. But at least it, it just, it makes it good. It makes it worthwhile. So Thank you so much, Andrew. And uh, before we go, I know I've been putting all your information in the chat and I know it will be in the show notes, but please uh, let us hear it from you. Where can people reach out to you to either inquire about the games or maybe even purchase the games too as well? So let us know, Andrew. Sure. Yeah. I'm mostly on Instagram and TikTok. My tag is right there, Andrew Conley, LLC. My email will be there as well. It'll be a clickable button for you. And the link to my website is edukanley.com, E-D-U-C-A-N-L-E. And I would really love it if people took a look. I'm very confident in what we've built here. And I think it would be a great asset to any classroom or dinner table or family barbecue. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. No, I agree with you 100%. Just with the little that you shared, I mean, it just really blew my mind and I can see the possibilities there. So Andrew, I wish you the best, my friend, in everything that you do from your current work with this also as well. And of course, with your doctoral stu studies, and hopefully we'll get you back here when you're Dr. Conley. And we can go ahead and continue that conversation. And that would be wonderful, my friend. You always have an open invite here to our show. As anybody who's ever been a guest, you're part of my PLF, my personal learning family. And I'm thankful for that connection. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much. We had Jillian here. We had Margaret here. We got Sherry also that was joining us on LinkedIn. Thank you so much. And to all of you that are going to be re-watching or listening to this episode at a later time, as always, thank you so much for making my EdTech life what it is today. 
make sure that you follow our website or check out our website at myedtech.life, myedtech.life, where you can check out this amazing episode and all the other amazing episodes. Learn who our guests are, take something from their practice, because these are people that are out there putting themselves out in the education space, trying to move the education needle forward. So we've had a wide variety of guests that I know that you will find something that you may need for that specific moment in time. Also, please make sure that you visit our store where you can go ahead and get yourself some My EdTech Life gear. We've got some caps. We've got some new designs. We've got shirts. We've got men's, women's apparel. We've got coffee mugs. We've got all that good stuff. So it'd be a great way to support one of your favorite podcasts. So again, as always, thank you from the bottom of my heart. And as always, my friend, until next time, stay techie.